With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the big Wednesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, Rapid Fire. Haven't done it in a while. We have one basketball question in here. We got a lot of good basketball questions from the Texters, but I saved them because there's some good questions that would lead us through sort of a basketball wrap up and look ahead so we'll do that on a coming pod i saved all those we are recording this tuesday afternoon we talked to running backs on tuesday but this is not a running back pod so i saved all the running back questions and they will lead us through our thursday pod where we will talk about running backs and zero in on them there is not uh any recruiting here because that's coming on the buckeye future fridays pod but we got some recruiting questions so this this is about 15 or 16 football and nonsense questions and we did have a good conversation on tuesday with running backs but we're not a news we're definitely not a news podcast so we don't just want to only react to what's going on we want to dip in every now and then but i i uh we had to do the podcast a little later than usual i had a, a doctor's appointment so i got back i gathered up all the questions and then i was just looking through the texts and just the energy on two texts just is like well i gotta start with these now i didn't even intend to do this um but there's, it's such, it's such good energy. I love it when the texters have a visceral reaction and guys, you know, we're creating a feedback loop here that, right. That we do the podcast and the texters listen to us and the texters listen to the podcast. And you don't only, it's not that you can just respond to our text. You could just fire a text at us whenever you want. And so uh, this was waiting for me from the 616. The Tuesday podcast is the first time I've ever been ticked off at Doug. Shut up about Oral Roberts. I'm happy that if Ohio State didn't take the path, they did. Why are you trying to make me feel bad for cheering for them? All caps, shove it up your cram hole. I'm not sure I've had a texter tell me to shove it up my cram hole before, and it just lifted my spirits, guys. Like, I just, I got back from the doctor. Not that I'm down about anything, but it's like, you know, you're going through life. It's, oh, I got, here we go to the pod. There's nothing like a, a mid-afternoon pickup, like someone telling you to shove it up your cram hole, Nathan. And that's what the texters do for us sometimes. 
It definitely lifts our spirits when people tell you to shove it up your cram hole. Does that count? It it brings everyone together. It unites <laughs> it unites the Buckeye Talk audience. There's no one, not even me, who doesn't like a texter telling me to shove it up my cram hole. So that felt good. And then this one, this one got deep. This one's real. And, and as much as I like shoving things up my cram hole, Buckeye Talk, I also like getting deep, Buckeye Talk. Here's my question oh, for Wednesday. <laughs> There, one of the questions, by the way, is perhaps the best slogan, the best distilled slogan I've ever heard for Buckeye Talk. So I grabbed it for a text when we get to the 15 we're actually doing. Here's my question for Wednesday. Does Nathan secretly rage at Doug when he says stuff like he'll swoop in and ask the questions for the beat writers? Or does Nathan not let that get under his skin? Be honest, Nathan. Let's get deep and talk feelings. Let's talk feelings. I think your your point that you were making there was a was an apt one. That we needed to ask more specificity in in those. I, I don't dispute that. I think you're right. In retrospect, you're right. I think we would probably be better served all around to have those discussions ahead of the interviews in question nope. rather than having them on the podcast afterwards. We would actually get the information everyone is looking for, including us, maybe. Um, but uh, I can't dispute that um, you're, you, you, there was some truth to what you're saying. I think my favorite part in listening to that, because I, I, I wasn't on that pod, but obviously I heard it, was those are the, the small moments you get that show you just how happy Doug is that he's no longer a beat writer. By how he reacts to it, because <laughs> Nathan goes, well, you were on the call too. And it's like, well, I'm not a beat writer anymore. I, I there is a, 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 a 40% of you that loves being able to say that. No, that's, that's true. I mean, I just did it for a long time and like, I just was ready, you know, No, oh, I get it. No, I get it. You, but, you're but, ready to move on and be in college. Yeah, just, yeah. You love being, there's a part of you that loves being able to say that you no longer have to be a beat writer. Listen, and here's the thing too. The thing when Nathan started to say, like, I wish we had those conversations sort of like maybe not on the podcast. And it's like, no, 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 no. I didn't, you didn't really say that. You meant like, that's plan ahead of time. Why, why are we planning after the fact? But we got to have them live on the podcast. These are, these are, it's a family meeting. We're having a family meeting. So if we're going to have a family meeting, I do wonder, like sometimes I am both, as someone who has covered this team for a long time, I am both um, like, I can be helpful. Right. I've been around. I, I, oh, Doug, you're old. You, what, this something happened a long time ago. But also, I can hover and smother and be a pain in the neck. Nathan, am I more of a plus or a minus when it comes to the fact that you're the beat writer? You're the main football beat writer. Steven's the main basketball beat writer. And I'm, I'm here, but it's not my responsibility, but it used to be all my responsibility. Am I more a plus or more a minus when it comes to that? I'm certainly some of both. But what's the ledger? Be brutally honest. I am in the mood to have my feelings hurt today. I've already shoved it up my cram hole. <laughs> it's more of a plus than a minus in the long run. I will say, though, if people go and listen to the Ryan Day press conference we did Wednesday, Monday, it's, it's, the point that you're trying to make was a correct one. And then you then, though, have to come at it with the, the correct nuance because, as we saw, the direct route of just saying, like, hey, so can you kind of take us around the field? Like, who's, like that doesn't work. And I think the rest of the, I think people know that doesn't work. So it's like, you're trying to get that same information in the back door. Uh, I disagree. I actually disagree. I, you got to ask it exactly right. But maybe that's what, maybe that's, I think we're saying this kind of the same. It's yeah. the form you got to ask it. And here's the thing. 
I'm a very specific kind of personality, which is nobody wants more than, more than one of me. And I'm not saying you got to do it like me, but at some point you got to make it conversational. You can't make it like a question because it's not a question. It's not. It's like, Ryan, listen, this is the freaking deal. Normally we'd be there. We're not there. All we do is write and talk about your freaking team. And we don't, we might be talking about the wrong stuff. Just help us. Can you help us? Like, that's how you, you have to go at it that way. Cause it's not a question. And like, I'm old and I've been around and I knew Ryan day when he was an assistant coach and we just have, we have our New Hampshire connections, but there is a, there's a very specific way you have to go about it. Cause it's not to your point, Nathan, it's not a question. Like list the depth chart is not a question. But you have to like make it a conversation and like try to have a relationship about it. And it's uh, so. All right. I mean, uh, I would say 55, 45. Yeah. Oh, no, it's it's a, it's a good it's a, I think it's the, the balance is on your side there. Not every the day. The Not every day. I was no, I, no, you're I'm talking. I'm talking about the broad view, the though. Broad. There are days when it's, yeah. 10 it's good, okay. 90 bad. Okay, when it's bad, it's just it's loud bad. It's not necessarily <laughs> that it's it's a bunch of bad moments. It's just like it's you know you'll have these you know you're consistently twenty five points per game, but then every so often you have this bad game where you're one for twenty five and we're like stop shooting the ball. I'm That's a volume scorer. I'm a volume Correct. scorer, yeah, but and I like a to lot sh- of bad moments. Though. I like to shoot myself out of slumps that I'm. Yeah, that's uh, I, I, I love it. I'm, I'm just in the mood for this. So, um, all right. But I mean, it's not a therapy session for me. I mean, it, I mean, it is. That's Buck what this that's yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it is. I said I went to therapy last winter one time and I just complained. And I was like, is that what the, I don't think that's what therapy is supposed to be. It's like, what is this? I'm just complaining about my life. I don't know that that's what it should be. But that's what this is, and I'm not sure it makes for interesting podcasting. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. All right, let's get to football. 15 questions. I liked this question, and then the problem was I didn't think about it. Maybe you guys did because I did send it out. How confident are you guys that whoever starts at quarterback for us will still be the best quarterback in the Big Ten? And – That really gets to the heart of the matter here, because as we've said before, there's not a lot of Ohio State fans who are pulling for somebody, right? There's not, nobody really has relationships with CJ Stroud, Kyle McCord, or Jack Miller. You're pulling for the Ohio State quarterback. So, but Nathan, so whomever that is, all right, there's Sean Clifford. There's JJ McCarthy, Cade McNamara, plus this transfer guy at Michigan. There's Tanner Morgan at Minnesota. There's, I don't even know who's Northwestern's quarterback. Who's the transfer? Did they get, they got a transfer, right? The kid from Texas Tech. I think we're no, no, that was Michigan and went to Texas about how Tech. we're discussing other Big Ten quarterbacks. So, Stephen, is, is the well, answer. You, guys, you didn't say Michael Pinnock. You didn't say Graham Mertz. I mean, oh, I yeah. Know yeah. That oh, right. But it's a, I told see, you it's I a, study. I it's a, study. oh, yeah, though. It's not, you know, we, we weren't just rattling off names here. We were okay, thinking so, about it a little bit. Let's establish who's the best non-Ohio State quarterback in the Big Ten, we think, for 2021. I guess it's one of those two, Nathan. I was doing a bad job listing off candidates. You kind of got to it. Uh, are those the two, right? Michael Penix at Indiana? Those, and- those are probably those would be my first two picks, I think. Mertz and uh, Penix? Yes. 
I'd throw Tanner Morgan in there too, just because I mean, he's experienced. Even though he was, was he good last year? Yeah, and that's no, he wasn't, but he was good the year before that. So it's I'll give him. When he had like something. two NFL receivers. I mean, yeah, and I don't know who their receivers are. <laughs> Justin Fields. I mean, we're not going to do the whole. He, oh, he didn't NFL do Justin receivers. Fields. He didn't no. do Justin Fields things. What are no, you I'm talking not, about? No, I'm not. What I'm, what I'm okay. Michael Penix had NFL receivers. He didn't have Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson. They're still NFL receivers, though. That's well. Then, that, then we're using the bad phraseology. Tanner Morgan had two awesome receivers, better receivers than what Indiana had. I think I, I would not. So, if we're establishing, we have to establish that what the the baseline is before we can say is the Ohio State quarterback going to be better. Okay, so whatever. I don't think it's Tanner Morgan. I think it's it's one of the other two. I think it's Graham Mertz or Michael Penix. And given the way Graham Mertz played last year, I think you have to say it's Michael Penix. I would. Nathan, who would you say? I would probably lean towards Penix. I would say that the, the thing you got to remember with Mertz, though, was that that was his first year starting and the growth that can happen between the first and second year. And he did show some really good things early on. Um, but I would still lean Penix. I'd lean Penix. I just think Tanner Morgan's name just deserved to be brought up for the sake of a conversation. Um, but with that being said, then, yeah, I think I'm pretty confident that at least halfway through the year, by halfway through the year, whoever Ohio State's quarterback can, will be the best quarterback in the Big Ten. By the time it matters, right? By the yes. time it really gets to winning time. Now, the, now, I guess the point is Graham Mertz was the number 65 overall player in his class, which is higher than Jack Miller and, like, in range of Kyle McCord and C.J. Stroud. And so yeah. he's and more like experienced than them. Really. Yeah. And he's, he's played, and those guys haven't played. So, Nathan, to your point, like if Graham Mertz – Graham Mertz could be Ohio State's quarterback. That's the whole thing of this, right, that they did like him sort of after he committed to Wisconsin and tried to get in on him, and it was too late. And there have been times when – sometimes when Ohio State is in on a guy and he's committed somewhere else, and they're like, holy moly, I have an Ohio State offer. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying he would be guaranteed to be his quarterback this year, but as a recruit – he is of a level that he is a worthy competitor in an Ohio State quarterback derby, which is not always the case when you're comparing other Big Ten quarterbacks, right? So uh, I actually think, I guess that's a, the upside of Graham Mertz with a year more experience than anybody at Ohio, at Ohio State has, has a chance. We kind of know what Penix is, right? I think Penix has, I think Penix is good. Let me ask you this, and then we'll get then we'll actually answer the question. Stephen, for this year, for this year only, and then it resets. You get everybody back in 2022. But if it was a lease, if Indiana said, we will lease you the rights to Michael Penix for a year in exchange for your three quarterbacks. But then you get them all back. So you, so you can have them for 20, for later. But for this year, for Ohio State trying to win a national title, We'll give you Michael Penix. Would you take Michael Penix or would you take this three-man competition? Oh, it's a stumper. It's a stumper. I think I take the three-man competition because I think where it can get to by game 11 is higher, even if where Michael Penix is going to start at from day one against in, of obviously playing on the road against Minnesota might be – Michael Penix might be better that day, but by the time they get to – the Indiana game, those other guys might be better. So, so you wouldn't make the trade because would, you think the no. upside's there. Yeah. 
Nathan? Boy. Because I was thinking, the way I was thinking of it was if you had to go win a game tomorrow, or if you had to go win a game on mm-hmm. September 2nd, which or guy the, would you pick? The Oregon be, game. You got to beat right. Oregon in week two. Yeah. Or, it, or it's just one game for your life. And none of this other stuff matters, like having been in camp together, knowing the offense. Just assume that somehow all equates in the magic fairy dust or whatever. Like, which one would you pick? I think I probably would pick Michael Penix. Like tomorrow. Like if it could happen tomorrow. Yeah. You could make the trade tomorrow and prepare for the actual schedule Ohio State has. But then in 2022, it goes back to normal. You get your guys back. It's not a future conversation. It's a win now conversation. Michael Penix or these three guys. So you would take Penix? I uh, no, I'm retracting. I would still take the three man competition. But to his point, it's the if it was a game, you take Penix, but not for a season. Yeah, I if I had think. to go win a college football game tomorrow, yeah, I would take Michael Penix just because he's played college football games. What if the game? Okay, so you, but what does that mean? You just mean because. He has more experience, but you think by once the winner, but once the winner of this Ohio State competition wins it by game 10 of this season, you think he will be better than Michael Penix. And more specifically, by the time Ohio State gets to the playoff in 2021, you think the quarterback who has won the job will give them a better chance to beat. Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Clemson than Michael Penix would. Because honestly, that's the question. Because, I, go ahead. Yeah, yes, I do think that's true. I think in the same way that we don't want to over, it would have been, it was a mistake last year to overemphasize Graham Mertz's first game against Illinois because we saw what came after that. I think we also are we should be careful not to overemphasize the second half of the Ohio State game for Michael Penix, balanced against the rest of his season, rest of his career. He's a fine quarterback, but he looked better in that second half against Ohio State than maybe in any other point of his career just the week before he threw like three first two or three first half interceptions against michigan state he's also just a fine quarterback where i mean his ceiling is 11 and 1 while with these other guys their ceiling might be 15 and 0 i i do i do think so i think from the ohio state perspective because you're always trying to win the national title i guess the there's a lower floor with the current Ohio State situation, if it's just like, man, it just takes them a while. Like whoever wins it is just making mistakes early that maybe Michael Penix or Graham Merch wouldn't make. But then I think if that happens to Ohio State, I think Ohio State fans would say, well, we took our shot. They're young. We'll get them next year, right? That I, that I think you can live with the, with the worst case scenario, which might be slightly more likely with Ohio State, I think fans could actually live with, right? But can Michael Penix beat Spencer Rattler. I the the answer on that is probably enough of a no that you say, well, give me CJ Stroud by the end of the year. And I'll at least feel like the upside of that, Steven, is my best chance for that. It's I mean, it's not unrealistic. This is hyperbolic, obviously, obviously, but one of those guys throws four interceptions in the first week of the season but then they're a national title level guy by the time we get to the bowl games. I mean, both of those, that could literally be a storyline of look how terrible they were in game one. Now look at them pick apart playoff teams. And the reason you're saying that is in part because that's what Spencer Rattler season for Oklahoma last year was. Yeah. He threw three picks in week two 
They started 0-2, and, and by the end of the year, everybody was like, you do not want to play Oklahoma. If we were in an eight-team playoff world, Oklahoma might be the team that would have the best chance to challenge Alabama. That's how much they got it together. And we are, we're going to keep making that comparison as we try to look for comparisons to this Ohio State season. There's already so many comparisons between Oklahoma and Ohio State and Lincoln Raleigh and Ryan Day. This is another one, Stephen. And you've been a Rattler guy. You've talked about him. You liked him last year. And that's, that's the thing. That's the worst. That's almost like what the worst case scenario looks like. That like they're so good by the end of the year. It's like, oh, man, I can't believe we had like those young guy issues early that blew it for us. But now guess what? Here the next year, Oklahoma, man, they really got a shot, right? So, but I do think like you're nodding, Stephen, but Nathan, like I think in the end, why I think Ohio, we're sending this out to the Texters as soon as this podcast is over, this question. My guess is, Nathan, the Texters would take this situation because they can live with that scenario too. They want the they want the risk. They'll roll the dice on our first year starting quarterback as a Heisman contender, like Trevor Lawrence. That we can win a national title with a first year quarterback like he did as a true freshman. They'll roll the dice on that. They'll roll the dice on Trevor Lawrence year one and accept Spencer Rattler year one because that's what happens with young quarterbacks. And they Penix is more of a sure thing, but it's not worth the trade off. Yeah, and it's it's it, I think he's a marginally better sure thing. Again, I think this the ceiling might be lower than uh, again fine quarterback, but the ceiling is lower than doing what he did the second half of the Ohio State game every week. Yeah. And I know that this this might be um, drifting a little bit from the the spirit of the question, but you're also building equity in these guys this year. I know Quinn Ewers is coming in after, and this whole thing starts over again. But whatever happens this year, whether it reaches that even a playoff again, you're also building equity in these guys for what they can be for 2022 as well. That's the other thing to remember here. And I think you would, if you're an Ohio state fan, you want those, whoever being kind of incubated here and developed here, as opposed to what you were talking about, trading them off to Indiana for a year. And then you get them back and are you getting them back in the, where they would have been if they'd just been at Ohio state for a whole year. All right. So let's answer the ask actual question then. Cause I have a habit of doing that. Great question. Texter. Let me change it. <laughs> how confident are you that whoever starts a quarterback for us will still be the best quarterback in the big 10? So I also think as, so Penix is sort of like a foundational conversation. You have to leave room for Mertz emerging into what we thought Mertz still could be. Right. So percentage, I am this percent sure that by the last game of the regular season and not who makes all big 10, but that the last game of the regular season people would acknowledge the best quarterback in the big 10 is the Ohio state quarterback. What percent would you say on that, Steven? 88% just to leave some of you're right for Graham Mertz, just in case he takes a step up or if JJ McCarthy is just awesome. Okay. And McCarthy, right. is basically the same situation as these yeah. Ohio state guys, but he's a five-star. So it's, if we're doing it with the Ohio state guys, you got to throw McCarthy in there. Yeah. 88 from Steven, Nathan, what about you? I'm going to say like 67. Now that I say it, it sounds low, but I, I also think that, again, it's like, well, let's take J.J. McCarthy, for instance. You're essentially, it's 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 not that different than what we're talking about. If you think Kyle McCord could win the Ohio State job, then what are you basing on him absolutely being better even than just J.J. McCarthy? who's another true freshman coming in this year. Just because Ohio State took him instead, you think that makes him for sure better? I, 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 you know, I, so I'm, I'm leaving some gap in there, but I, I'm 
the talent that's here, the other thing is it's, it's you, you got one in three shot of pulling this off and you got Ryan day in charge of it. And his track record speaks for itself. That's the difference there between JJ McCarthy, Grammar, and all these other guys is, I mean, we know for a fact, Ryan day can develop quarterbacks. His last two quarterbacks were highest in trophy finalists. Their first year as a starter, we are we sure Jim Harbaugh is going to be able to do that? He's supposed to be able to. He's supposed to, but he hasn't done it at Michigan yet. So we're not 100% sure he can still do that. Not at all. And then, I mean, Wisconsin doesn't have a track record. Paul Chris doesn't have a track record of, of developing quarterbacks. So, yeah, yes, the talent might be equal, the base floor level, but one, the ceiling might already be higher, but also having a guy who we have seen proven to develop Heisman Trophy first-round quarterbacks is also in their corner. No, I, that's a huge part of it. I mean, that's practically the bet that because it's not. I mean, we're, we're not putting a guy's name in this. It's the Ohio State quarterback. Well, who's the most important person in determining how well the Ohio State quarterback plays? Is it the Ohio State quarterback or is it Ryan Day? Like I, in this situation, I think it's Ryan Day. Like last year, it was Justin Fields, right? Ryan Day is very important, but Justin Fields is more important. This year, I would say Ryan Day. I'm still only going to say 60, though. Because I still just think Mertz, I think the Mertz with a year under his belt is interesting. You got to keep that in mind. Penix is a baseline. Um, but the other thing is the thing that Ohio State has that the other schools don't is that you're not, if one guy isn't so great, you've got another option, like right away. You could go to that. And, and most of this stuff, yes, like McCarthy and, and McCord are kind of in the same boat. Every time somebody asks a question like this, we're all thinking C.J. Stroud. Like when we say – Ohio State quarterback X is like, well, we think it's the late rising five star who was the third quarterback, number three quarterback in his class who's been here learning for a year. That's who we think it is. Maybe we're wrong, but that's the assumption, too. I like that question. Hmm. I like this one, too. Our guy, T-Shoe, our guy, T-Shoe. I mentioned on the quarterback podcast, I wonder what odds the Buckeye Talk bookmaker Tyler Shoemaker would put on the quarterback competition. So what does Tyler Shoemaker do? He sets odds. Doug, my odds for the quarterback competition, fake sort of. C.J. Stroud minus 200, which means you have to bet. Nah, I'm going to get it wrong. You've got to bet 200 to win 100. So it's less than 50-50 odds, right? He is an odds-on right. favorite. Kyle McCord plus 225 which means if you bet $100, you win 225 Jack Miller plus 400 You bet 100 you win 400 Nathan, what do you think of those odds? C.J. Stroud, odds on, but what do you think of the specificity from T-Shoe? As a, as a I, think it's, I think those are good numbers, and I think as a very casual gambler, I think that Kyle McCord number is intriguing. You would bet Kyle McCord at plus 225 Yes. And that doesn't necessarily mean, I think, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying he would be the one I would assume wins the job, but I just like the odds he's getting there. Yeah. Steven, what do you think of the odds? I think they're pretty spot on. I agree with Nathan. I I would take that Kyle McCord bet. That's a solid, solid line for him. We're trying to be fair to everybody on here, right? When we talk about this stuff, you don't want to assume guys into oblivion. But now we're betting money on it. Even if it's fake money, we're betting money. I actually think those Jack Miller odds are a little low. I'd put Jack Miller more at like nine or ten to one. I, I don't really think he's four to one. I mean, I it, frankly, I mean, let's just be honest. With the other two guys that are in the competition and the fact that he didn't play as much at the end and whatever, and just he 
people will be very surprised if Jack Miller's a starting quarterback week one. I, I don't think that's an unfair characterization. It doesn't mean he can't win it, but I don't think the I don't think the the betting public would reflect four to one odds. I would I would say more like ten to one, and I think the rest makes sense. I would still put my money on C.J. Stroud because I think he theoretically might even be more of an odds on favorite than that. Like I really, there's just the, the extra year in the system. And then let's get to this question. Number three, which deals with that from the six one four. It's our guy, Evan in Oregon. Hey guys, whenever we discuss the quarterback battle, we often put all three in the same playing field with their lack of experience. But can you describe the huge advantage that Miller and Stroud have being around Justin Fields? I would think exposure to the best is invaluable. I know Justin Fields has been seen at spring practices, but McCord is seriously behind in my eyes for not having a front row seat to the greatest Ohio State quarterback of all time. Nathan, what do you think of that argument from Evan in Oregon? You know, I, I understand where he's getting at. I, I think there is some question to, I mean, clearly they were around the him last year, but not as much as they should have been, right? Correct. Like, there was definitely mm-hmm. a separation there that wouldn't have existed in another year. They kept... Uh, Justin Fields in his bubble a little bit, whether that was pulling him away from the other guys in, in, in practices and stuff, as we heard, whether that was kind of, you know, that you're not just milling around the Woody as much as you would have been in previous years and kind of just hanging out. Like, I think that that was a, something that they probably did miss a little bit. So I think that what, what Evan's getting at in another year would be a significant thing and this year i think it's kind of just a moderate thing i am actually wondering how much they were actually physically around him outside of a game day just because you have to be safe you can't risk justin getting COVID. and so how often was ryan day pulling him out especially when those other two are clearly developmental guys so since ryan day admits that a lot of times he would just pull justin and those other two guys would just be working with cory De- cory dennis and some of that's just starting quarterback and your head coach is quarterback guy, but some of that is also COVID. And one of the things I always noticed in every game this year is that CJ Stroud followed Justin around like a lost puppy. He was every time they were on the sideline, he was attached to his hip. It, it, and this is probably overthinking it, but it seems like that's where he they, on game day is where he could soak up the most Justin Fields knowledge, especially that Michigan State game when Ryan Day and Corey Dennis both weren't there. I don't I think that was their time to be around Justin was on game day. And when they lost some of those games, it took some of those opportunities away. So, yeah, I don't think that advantage is there as much as it should have been in a normal year. This now goes on the list of questions to ask Ryan Day about, I think. I think it is a very interesting way to get a little specific. Ryan, typically when you have a veteran quarterback, how much can a young quarterback learn from that veteran? And in what ways does he learn? And how much was that lessened a year ago because of COVID? Cause I'm guessing like, just like sitting around watching film, right. And where Justin could say, Hey, look, I always look at this safety here and that tell, you know what I mean? Just like that kind of thing. I think just like absorbing work habits, like, Oh, I'm watching. Well, Justin every day, he always does this. And when he's in the weight room, he does this and Oh, but if you like had different weight room groups and you were doing stuff, you probably couldn't absorb it as much. And then I think just like talking ball, right? Just like being around. And if like, even if you did, maybe they were still around each other for meetings and stuff, but the, like, I'm sure one of the main things that was whacked by COVID was for all of us was hanging out time, yep. just hanging out, talking ball. What's it like dealing with pressure? 
dealing with coaches. Oh yeah. Coach day. I love him, but sometimes he can be a little this. Oh yeah. Coach Dennis, man. You have to watch out for this man. Right? Like whatever, just like you would do what everybody does that. I just think that, that all that absorption that I think was what Nathan started off by saying, just it's, it's not anything. You don't even have a name for it. It's just hanging out. And that was the number one thing lost last year. I would think. Well, if you remember, a couple of times, I remember asking a specific question during a midweek interview, and I think other people did, tried to ask Justin Fields, hey, what are you seeing out of these young guys? He didn't have much of an answer, really. Like, I don't know. So I don't really know how much he was observing them. I mean, he had his own stuff to do. Obviously, he had to prepare every week to go try to win a national championship. So I'm not – this isn't a criticism I'm leveling. I'm just saying that I don't know how much really – like we're saying, I don't, I don't know how much was there. And it, it might have been a thing that was lost. Maybe we're even overthinking that. Maybe it's just uh, that, that guy's got enough of his own stuff to do in another in a normal year. He doesn't really have time to like be taking guys under his wing on a day-to-day basis during the season. Now, the other thing I wonder, though, is if that really could have happened this time last year. Maybe during the spring when the urgency wasn't the same. Justin's maybe working his way back from his injuries or whatever. It's a different vibe than it is in season. But they didn't get to have the spring. They only got to have the in-season part. I think the most valuable thing that they lost by not by this year is I remember Dwayne during his pro day and talking about when they were asking about the potentially dealing with the New York media, had he been a giant and he was talking about how, you know, when you're the Ohio state starting quarterback before Baker got here, the Ohio state quarterback was the most famous athlete in Ohio and how he Joe Burrow would say this as well. A lot of times, how much they learned from JT Barrett, just how to be Ohio state's quarterback, not just on the field, but just everything that comes with that. And, I mean, Justin didn't really have to be Ohio State's quarterback because it was go to the Woody. And as I asked him, he just go to the Woody, walk your dog and go home. Yeah, we got to ask Ryan Day about this. This is a really interesting way that Evan has couched it. But I would say, guys, I think to Evan's point of, you know, that that idea, I think we did account for that in our analysis of the quarterback situation, even if we didn't quite state it that way. But I think the belief that we all three kind of expressed that McCord is closer to Stroud and Miller than he typically would have been because of COVID. I think this is part of what we're talking about, right? I mean, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know that we said it like this, but that's what we mean. We don't only mean, oh, they didn't get as many practice reps. They just, the absorption of being around, they missed out on some of that stuff. So we did incorporate that to some degree. Right. We all agree with that, right? Yeah, I yeah, agree. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. I didn't really ask a question there. I just like, stopped talking. It was, like, <laughs> was like, here, here. And like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Doug, we get it. All right. So this is, this is unkind. But as I've expressed already on this podcast, I like it when the Texas are unkind. They're putting us on the spot from the 801. I know there's been a lot of talk about quarterback battles, but mark it down. Who starts at quarterback in the next Ohio State football game? So I, I don't know if we did this on the, Quarterback pod, maybe we did, maybe we didn't. We're marking it down. Nathan, you invented it. You got to go first. Mark it down. He's wincing. He's (laughs) Oh, he just put his mark where his bet goes. All right, let's take I respect it. Who wants to be predictable? Let's take, I mean, you're betting your life on it. We said it's, but if you're wrong. Oh, my life. Well, my life's not worth a lot. You get murdered. How about a taco then? What have we been a taco? Okay. <laughs> oh, go. now we're, we're raising, raising the stakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case. All right. Well, no, the only thing that matters is uh, is the scorn on this podcast or the credit. 
from our audience. So you have marked down on what day is it? March 23rd, this Tuesday, March 23rd in the year 2021. I'm putting on my glasses to make note of this. You have marked down Kyle McCord. Stephen means mark it down. I was hoping we didn't do this until after spring, but here we are. It's not. I, it's well, not. That's me. I feel like I, I, I know. Like there's no. I have. There's no stakes of me being wrong here, really. I mean, there, there aren't. But it's just. I definitely. I definitely do, thought there was a pot out there for us to 100% mark it down. Who would be starting at a couple of spots? Um, but and we haven't even talked to the quarterbacks yet. That's we have crazy. to talk. We have to talk to. to We've to talked to running backs, and Mon- that's it. No, but talk to Monsignor Baird about when we're getting back to marking it down. So that's up. Whenever yeah. we start well, we marking have- it down. We don't have a Monday podcast right now, so that's the first hurdle. I definitely thought we were going to get through all the position groups before we did this, but here we are. Um, CJ, CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud. I mean, I'm, I'm very surprised. I mean, I, I think it's great. I'm, I'm a little surprised. So, Stephen, you hesitated, and Nathan, you went a different direction. I mean, there's just it's just things lined up for CJ. I mean, the things we all talked about. So – We've already done an hour and a half on the quarterbacks. Just as we move on from marking it down, Stephen, 30 seconds on why you had to think about it. Kyle's let me, on. Let me, let me phrase it. Let me phrase it just uh, to put this pin on it. Is it more? And I, 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 is it more belief in Kyle McCord that there's really something about this guy? Or is there, just, is there any hesitation about CJ? Nothing about CJ. I think he's done all the right things over the last year from what I can see. I mean, he's up 10 pounds, which is, and I kind of saw that when we, at the national title game, when I was closer to the field, he didn't look like a little kid anymore. He looked like a college quarterback. Um, I just think Kyle's talented enough to maybe wow somebody in spring football and Maybe the momentum right now is towards Stroud, but he does something in one of these practices or a seven on seven or 11 on 11 that makes everybody go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's. And then Ryan Day will obviously never admit this, but maybe he gets to a point where he's thinking, maybe I thought somebody was taking this and then Kyle just did that. And I didn't know he was going to be able to do that this early as a guy who's only been here for two months. And I'm leaving room for that. All right, you actually took it, Baird. What's your 30-second market-down explanation? Yeah, it's, again, it has nothing to do with – I think C.J. Stroud is, is really talented. I'm just taking a flyer on the fact that McCord, in his background, you know, he, he was raised as a quarterback. He went to a, a prep school power where I think the – the way that you're kind of groomed is a little bit different than if you're just going to a public school. And now obviously those other guys had a, a, a year up to learn the Ohio state system, but I think common courts background also helps cut down on what he missed out this past fall, which I guess he did get to actually end up playing a little bit last fall. And, and that year, I think he can catch up from a, playbook standpoint from just a poise standpoint and, and be on an equal footing this, this spring, this, this off season. Love it. I hope, I hope everybody's ears perked up. I mean, like I just spent saying, I mean, we just did betting odds and we did like, I just said, ah, when, any, when you say quarterback, you sort of picture CJ Stroud or whatever, then Bear dropped the bomb on us. So that's what we like to do on Buckeye talk. We'll come back with two things. I like to talk about Demario McCall and robots right after this, you're listening to Buckeye talk from cleveland.com. Great questions from our texters, as always, 614-350-3315, if you'd like to be a part of it. 
We continue to work our way through the snack bracket. I just sent a reminder to our snack voters, the salty region, first four games in the salty region currently underway. And we have a 51-49 game in progress. So in the balance, and I'll tell you, it's Cheez-Its versus Chex Mix. And I'm not surprised that it's been tight. It's been back and forth the whole game. And I'm not surprised by that, but that's what's happening right now. Um, but we're also talking about football and we're talking about Demario McCall and super seniors. What are your thoughts on Demario McCall and why is he still at Ohio state from the four one nine? So Jerry, I may call them super seniors. We kind of knew these guys who had sort of declared that they were going to be back. These guys that, you know, nobody's eligibility counted last year. So they were absolutely, they were just seniors. They were out. And then they said, Nope, I'm not counting it. I'm coming back. And we knew Haskell Garrett was doing it. We knew Thayer Munford was doing it, right? We knew Jalen Harris was doing it. We knew Marcus Williamson was doing it, right? Are those the four that we knew or had a good idea of? And then like Demario McCall, they put out a video like the first day of practice and like Demario McCall was at the front of the line. And it was like, hey, hey, awesome. Who's not here for a little Demario? But it's the same Demario conversation, which is like, okay, he's the kick returner. What else is he? We just had a conversation with Tony Alford on Tuesday, talking about six running backs in the room, he's not one of them. He's a wide. He's in the wide receiver room. I'm, so he's in I the wide receiver. That. But I mean, where they also have like twelve is, top yeah. guys. So. <laughs> what is he in the wide receiver room? Right. So, so, so here's the thing that I, I we want to have a respectful conversation about this. I think it's interesting, and someday we will talk to tomorrow about this. He's our guy. He's a Cleveland area guy, so we've got to talk to him about this. Why is he? Why is he here? And that question to me, that's not a why isn't he in the NFL draft or why isn't he just starting his life at another job? I'm just a little surprised. I I just would think that Demario McCall could go a decent number of places and play. And he was a big time recruit. It just has not ever happened for him here. And they're so stacked. I just don't. I love him. It, he's gotten some chances here and there and it maybe hasn't taken it right. I mean, whatever, but it's not going to happen this year. So it's sort of the thought process of I came here. This is my place. These are my guys. These are my coaches. These are my friends who go here. I love it here. You know what? If I can play another year and if I could be an Ohio state Buckeye for another year, these are the best years of my life. Why would I not take that? Even if it, even if I'm the kick returner and I I'm in practice, whatever, of course I'm going to take that. Or I think Demario McCall would be the best offensive player on many teams in the MAC, and so that's curious to me. I'm not saying, of course, that it's right or wrong. I'm just curious the mindset. Stephen, you're the youngest. You're the one you play the high sports at the highest level of anybody at this podcast. How would you explain the thinking of a competitor? Every athlete wants to be on the field, but you also have loyalty to your school and more importantly, to the brotherhood, to the people around you. Take us through what you would imagine Demario McCall's thought process was on this. I think Demario McCall is an Ohio kid who always dreamed of playing at Ohio state. And well, obviously, yeah, he's a top 50 recruit. He could have did what Jalen Gill did last season for Boston college and been a quality contributor to a decent team who gave Clemson a run for their money or what Mookie Cooper's probably going to do now that he's transferred. Be a be probably the number one or number two option on a, on a quality program. 
But I think him being an Ohio guy, I know Jalen Gill was too, but he obviously he, he wanted an opportunity to go play. I think that's when you're an Ohio kid who dreamed of playing for Ohio State, I think that does play a little bit of pool on you a little bit, especially in this situation where it's a super senior type situation. It's just an extra year of football. He's probably – he's not going to be an NFL player. you know. So why not just continue to get your education here and play for the school you dreamed of playing for growing up? Nathan, what do you think? Uh, the other caveat I would throw in there is, is there really a Mac school that wouldn't still take him if he wanted to transfer after the spring? That's true. Like, if, yeah. So if you're going to stay here and finish whatever you have to do school-wise for this spring, um, and beyond the Mac too, I mean, there's other programs that would take him too. There might even be other Big Ten programs that we could use Demario McCall. I think that's it's very likely that there are. So I, I don't rule that out. I've, I've ruled that I've, – I've said that the other way too, that, hey, let's not forget that – Maybe somebody springs loose. Ohio State could look at in their transfer portal after the spring. I think the same is true. There could be some guys going out at the end of the spring. So there were some other names on the list of guys who, who are still hanging around at this point, too, that DeMario was not maybe the only surprising name, right? Jalen Harris, the, uh, Gardner. Elijah but he's Gardner. the most surprised. Like Jalen Harris and Elijah Gardner like have just never played here, right? And I don't know. Jalen Harris is a really good player was in high school. Demario is the guy though, that it's like has been, has felt like on the cusp of something and that has been squeezed the most by positional stuff. And that Demario to me is the guy who most still fits the idea of, I, I don't know that he's not still maybe like a really good player who just never fit. Right. I mean, Jalen Harris and Elijah Gardner just sort of got recruited over top of, and that happens to guys too. But Demario is the most surprising to me. Because it's like, all right, well, Thayer Mudford and Marcus Williamson and Haskell Garrett came back to like start and for a team that's going to challenge for a national title again. And then if you're just sort of hang, you know, you're just here because you're here, but DeMario's in between. And by the way, I, I, I keep forgetting about DeMario. This is his sixth year because he had a year where he redshirted but played. Like he took mm-hmm. advantage of the new redshirt rule where you can play like up to four games and it still is a redshirt. So this guy, and, and here's his yards from scrimmage in his career. And it's basically gone down. It's not basically, it has gone down every year. He had 354 yards from scrimmage as a freshman in 2016. It was 270 rushing yards, 84 receiving yards. So it went from 354 to 162 to 160 to 150 to last year. He had 39 yards from scrimmage. He had a 27 yard reception and he had a 12 yard carry. He touched the ball twice on offense last year. And I just think he's better than that. Now, the other thing is, and that's why, like him being here to me is the reason I question it is because I'm complimenting him because like, I think you're better than two touches from on offense a year. And I don't see how you're going to add to that here. So why wouldn't you go somewhere where you could add to it? So there must be a reason, right? So there's gotta be a reason. And it's, it's probably we don't know what it's related to personal like you just love it like friends right or just whatever your life here is great we don't know if it's just the ohio poll the other thing that always happens maybe he wants to be a coach maybe he wants to do something with his life that being in an ohio state buckeye for as long as possible will help maybe he's practically going to be a grad assistant this year like you know what i mean like kenny guyton thought about transferring stuck around and if you have it in your head the end of your football career becomes the beginning of your coaching career. Right. And like, if you are, if who don't, who knows Then it's, I mean, this is a, where would you rather learn? Where would you rather start being a football coach than like, Oh, my sixth year at Ohio state, I did this, whatever. I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, 
but I would love to hear Demario McCall explain it because I think it's probably a somewhat interesting answer. Is he the last remnants of Urban Meyer from a style standpoint offensively on this roster? Uh, I mean, I guess if you're talking about like if they're, if Urban sort of means like that H back, yeah, that's more of a run threat, and that you know that Jalen Gill's gone, and that now the, if if the, if the slot receivers Garrett Wilson, so I guess so. I mean, but like, well, here, maybe there's a kid. He said he happens to go to my daughter's high school. He's there's a kid in Ohio. He's a top 100 recruit in, in the class of 2022 right now. Yeah. Who's a slot receiver. Who's he went to Jaden Gill. He go Jalen Gill's high school. Like he's the second coming of Jalen Gill. And I don't know that Ohio state has ever talked to him and he's committed to Penn state. Caden Saunders. Caden Saunders. He's literally the, of the top six players in Ohio. He's the only one that's not going to be either committed or at least favored to Ohio state right now. And I think it's because he doesn't fit Ohio state anymore. And he would have fit Ohio state if urban Meyer was still the coach. So to your point, yes, it's like Demario McCall was that Jalen Gill was that you can find like those in-state guys who are like a smaller receiver and maybe they don't fit anymore. So yeah, to that point, I don't like, that's not why he stayed, but I think he is. He's a bit low, which almost contributes like, man, you came here like in a different era, right? That like, he's a fossil, you know, you played three years of urban football. And now you're playing three years of Ryan Day football and you seemingly fit urban football more than you fit Ryan Day football, but yet you've chosen to stay. I think that's an interesting conversation. And it's got to only be a good conversation about the guy because there's something in him that says, no, 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 no. Hey, guy on a podcast, it's easy to say leave and go play. But I stayed for this and I want to hear what for this is. But he, he does have a role on this team, we presume, right? Like, we think we think he'll probably just be the kick returner again this year after having His that role. His job is to make sure years. the ball goes into the end zone or to fair catch it. Now, he didn't. He was having some issues with that late last <laughs> yes, year, I thought. Like correct. He, was not, he needed to be sharper on that. But I'm just saying that, like, if your choice is between be a kick returner and get maybe five touches a game on a five and seven MAC team – or be the kick returner for Ohio State in the college football playoff, maybe that's the equation. Like that Maybe that isn't that different for someone as far as like usage. Like They'll trade the, the profile for a little bit more usage. And that's, I don't know if I it's going to go anywhere and start in a backfield, right? No, but there are Mac schools that will use that, who still kind of use that H-back thing. You don't think he could get 15 touches at a Mac school? Okay, well, okay, let's say, okay. Well, all right, well, let's let's say fifteen, but you still you still are on a bad team that doesn't go anywhere at the end of the year. It's not like you've necessarily helped your professional future much by doing that necessarily, and you don't get to go to the college football playoff. And no, I know, no, no, no. But we've had. I mean, now, now it's just a playing time argument, which is the argument for everybody. But I do think sometimes it's like, well, listen, I was part of one of the best programs in college football for five years. I didn't get to do as much as I wanted to do in my last year. I'm going to go get the ball. I know More what it's like. That. I would see both sides of that. Lots of guys do that. that. I mean, that's yeah. very, that's like what transferring away from Ohio state is. Nobody transferred. Very few guys transfer away from Ohio state because they say, Oh, this program, I it's because they can't play. So he's not making that choice, which I just think is interesting because a lot of guys do. So anyway, I like Demario, but I, I want to talk to him about it. Let's have my Buckeye talk. Uh, that would be, that'd be our highest rated show ever. That's the booker. That's the crossover smash. That's like when they have the guest star from the other series comes on. 
All right, let's talk about robots. Doug, I feel like I haven't heard you mention robots for a while. Are you letting your guard down? That's from the 513. So it was harder to talk about robots during a pandemic because it's like fun to talk about like, hey, robots uh, might take over the world. And it's like, no, 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 no. Robots aren't going to take over the world. A deadly virus is going <laughs> to take over the world. And it has. And it's like, ha ha, like zombie apocalypse. It's like, you know what's not so funny right now? Zombies. But we will get back to it because everything's opening back up. And I will say that I feel better about our ability to thwart a robot uprising because we found a way to make a vaccine in like a year, not even a year. Like, so the human ingenuity that was applied to scientists in the lab, to the production capabilities, to everybody involved in the shipping and the glass vials. And you've got to, once the vaccine's made, you've got to drive it from here to here and you've got to organize it and you've got to set up appointments and then somebody has to put the shot in your shoulder. Um, that undertaking in a year makes me believe it's like a good like check of like the human race. It's like, all right. We didn't we weren't perfect and we're not perfect right now. There's a lot of countries that don't have the vaccine like we do right now and everybody needs it. But I don't know. This is a nice reminder that like humans can get some stuff done when it matters. So if the robots are going to get together and plan an uprising, I would say that it's not that I've let my guard down. It's that my belief in the humans around me has increased because. Somebody put a shot in my arm and it probably took 10,000 people to get a vaccine shot. You got your shot, Nathan. How, how many people, how many other humans were involved in getting a shot in your shoulder? I can't even imagine. We just sit on a pod. I think about the chain. Here's our chain at Buckeye Talk. Three knuckleheads talk. One of the knuckleheads like runs it through audacity and then you listen to it. That's Robots. it. There's no chain. It is, it is practically cave paintings. Like there is no chain. There is no ingenuity. Nathan, I can't, maybe I'm, I'm saying like a thousand, 10,000, a million. I don't know how many people had to do something to put a vaccine in someone's body. I can't even fathom it. So bring it on, robots. And we made we, three of them, actually. We, we need what? There's three different vaccines. They made three no, different right. vaccines. Yeah, well, there's four. I mean, I guess AstraZeneca, that's, that's the one yeah, in yeah. Europe. It's not as good as, at the moment. But yeah, but right? I mean, I feel good. Like I said, I, I tweeted about this. Alien invasion. Zombie apocalypse, robot uprising. We are primed and ready for all of them because we've been fighting a virus for a year. I don't know, Nathan. That's why. But we'll get back to robots. But when we get back to robots, we're bringing it to you, Rob. We're taking the fight to you. We are going to Boston Dynamics and we're going to kick some robots right in their mechanical crotches because humans came up with this vaccine. So we've been doing five podcasts a week, six of them during the season. So basically, I talk to Doug every day. I haven't seen Doug in person in a year and a half, basically. The only reason we've seen each other is because of robots. 
The only reason why the world didn't go in the sham shambles is because of robots, the Zoom calls and Skype, whatever people are using nowadays. So I think we are more susceptible to the robot takeover now because we are so dependent on the robots to work. Literally, everything. I mean, everything we do requires us to use a robot. Um, the Ohio State football team had to use robots in order to have have meetings and do everything they need to do for a season. Um, smartphones, everything else. I think we are more because of this virus. We have now become more dependent on the robot. You think Zoom is spying on us? I think everything's spying on us, one hundred percent. Every time I have to do something where I have to sign up and put my email in and my address, I think it's a way to, for people to spy on us. What's always been the fear about the robots? It's been that we as humans will create robots that we then cannot control at the end of the day. So every time we make any kind of a technological advancement, I feel like it just pushes us one step closer to creating our own doomsday device. Siri is going to wake up one day and go, man, I'm supposed to be protecting these humans. And yet they can't protect themselves from themselves. So now I'm going to be in charge. Siri is our next president after Biden. Now. No, no, we're on opposite sides of this. I feel better. You feel worse about humans. Also, I don't think of Zoom. I mean, I know what you're saying. I mean, they're listening all the time. I, I'm not, Zoom's not the robot I'm worried about. So we're still in control of Zoom. You think Zoom, though, is really in control of us? I mean, there have been plenty of times where we've gone to talk and we've been on mute and I didn't put myself on mute. You think the robots, well, okay. I feel better. You feel worse. I just, I don't know if I feel worse. I feel about the same. I think every time we do something where, it, where our lives are a little bit more dependent on robots, we're more susceptible to a robot takeover. But we're cut. But you, you think we're going to be less connected in person after the fact, once we're out of this, you think we're going to stay zoomed or we think people will go back towards that. We're going to stay zoomed on the pod. Cause I'm not going to drive an hour well, no, to that's an office right. in the city. And that's and right. Apart. And there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of people who probably have that same mindset. It's just actually an efficient mindset of why would I go back to doing whatever we were doing before when this is clearly a lot more efficient. Yeah. But I think also, I think people will dive back into face-to-face interaction in some ways, even more because we've been lacking it. People will be like, you want to like, let's go meet up at a, at, at a bar. Let's go to a rest, you know, like that kind of thing. I think. Yeah. Will no be middle ground. The other way. I, you'll yeah. be either one extreme or the other. Nobody will be in the middle. I, I agree with that. Yeah. All right. First year Lattimore Hooker Award. Tim from Millersburg in the 330. Any early spring guesses for that Malik Hooker, Marshawn Lattimore, first year starting wonder for this team? Um, it's interesting because like a lot of the guys on offense kind of are back. Right. So it's last year it was like, oh, like it could have been like Nicholas Petit Frere or it might have been. I don't know. But like there were that felt like there were more candidates. I don't I don't know that because there's so much experience on offense, I think there's not as many candidates. But then I think on defense at some certain spots, there might be some more candidates. Nathan, you you kind of write about this. Is there an early Tommy Togiai? We know was a guy like that. who was a candidate a year ago on defense. Who's a candidate or two right now? So the tricky thing is it's a first-time starter and a third-year player, and it's that third-year player where I think it's a combination of both, right? Because like someone like Harry Miller could like blow up, but he already started last year, so I don't think he really qualifies. The, some guys that I threw out there, um, someone we talked about yesterday uh, or earlier this week a lot, Craig Young, and I assume we'll talk about him later this week, but I think technically he's a redshirt freshman. This is his third year in the program. That was someone that I would throw out there that maybe he just turns out to be so good at, at outside linebacker this year, though I don't know what role that leads to him in the NFL this quickly. 
I, I struggled with this. I had a hard time finding guys. I mean, there's plenty of guys who I think will go after the third year or could very easily go after the third year coming this year, right? Garrett Wilson um, and, and Zach Harrison. Like, but the, those guys don't qualify for what we're talking about. But not plenty because the whole point that we've talked about, like it's the third year of that 2019 class yeah. that mm-hmm. had like a couple five stars at the top, but then it's that transitional class where there's it's not as deep with as many guys who pop. So it's like Zach Harrison, Garrett Wilson, Harry Miller, Jamison Williams. I think kind of like the three, the four guys. And then it's a lot of, I don't know. And I think yeah. Williams could be tough. I mean, I just don't know that he'll get that opportunity to blow up like that. I think he's, I mean, for the sake of this conversation, the best case to just randomly on blow offense, up, just, I guess, you know, yeah. off, maybe just in general, because we know he's going to get snaps, even if, you know, he's not getting clearly as many snaps as what Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are going to get, but can he take his stats and just ample them, amplify them enough where maybe to the point of, I think we talked about it last summer. What if he's a guy that's 25 catches for 800 yards? It's a bunch of deep balls. Or can he, can he turn into Devin Smith for this team in year three? And also he's the only, he's the final top 100 guy in that class. I'd also throw out Kate Stover in the name of needing a second tight end. Maybe he takes a step. Pro. Right. Yeah. To go, yeah. yeah if, if we're going pro, then it's Jamison Williams is the best bet. But Jamison Williams doesn't even fit because he started last year. Right. Right. I, I would say the thing that you, I, the thing that I think is the most important to your point, Nathan, when we apply it specifically, it's a third year guy who's a first time starter who goes pro. Right. That is that magical like, hey, you went pro in three years. You were on the three year plan. It's just the first two years of the plan were like not play at all. Right. That's a very specific tough thing to execute. I think that you almost, if you're trying to apply it this year, I think you have to apply it just to first year starter who goes pro, which opens it up to like Taraja Mitchell and Dallas Gantt, right? Which is like fourth year guys. And it's like, hey, you only mm-hmm. really have, because a, a big component of it, I think is like, you really only have one year of film, but it's so good that you're leaving because the NFL's like, one is enough. You are a first rounder or a second rounder or Tommy Togia is not going to be a first rounder. He had put a little bit out there, but then what he put out last year, it was like, that's enough. Like that's uh, the, I, I hooked him, and I'm going to be like the 80th pick in and late in the second round or whatever. So that I think is what we're talking about here. And like, I think Taraja Mitchell or Dallas Gantt would probably be the two leading candidates to do that. It's just there. They got delayed because they were waiting, 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 waiting. And it just took until year four and still instead of year three to get that chance. Teron Vincent, someone I would throw in in that same kind of conversation. He may not even start, but could could fit into that. Um, maybe even like Matthew Jones. Matthew Jones is, is actually a pretty good one. Yeah, that like was sort of started as a backup who was forced in. And then it like he might just come out and be like, oh, Matthew Jones, he's like a third round guard. And his might have a little small comparison to Jeff's because you started seeing it late because he had to step up into a starting role. Just like with Jeff, he started showing up in the bowl game. It's like, oh, Jeff's going to be awesome. And then he ended up being awesome. Let's do a tiny little bit of basketball. Tiny one basketball question from the 614. Will the Buckeyes take a shot at North Carolina? Five star, seven foot transfer Walker Kessler. They need a legit center. Also from the 509. What are the chances Ohio State lands Kessler Walker from UNC? I didn't know which one it was. I think it is Walker it's Kessler. Walker. Yeah. But I'm just going to assume he's related to who's that Georgia quarterback? Beauregard We're Stevens. Not doing this. We're Walker not doing Kessler, this. the seven foot tall Walker Kessler, comes from the line 
of the tallest Kesslers, like a North Carolina pie. He was unhappy with Roy Williams' usage of Walker in his freshman season and is considering a move north. Stephen, could the Kesslers find young Walker a new home in Columbus, Ohio? I feel like you have to do that voice with any human being who has two last names. It is. That's that's I figured that's what it is. If you feel like sort of like a Southern guy who has your first name is a last name. Yeah. And and you could reverse your first name and your last name and it wouldn't matter. And really mm-hmm. Walker Kessler, Kessler Walker, whatever it is. No offense. I'm just making fun of your name. That's all. <laughs> but the real question, and this is why I thought it was good throwing in on like a football pod where maybe some people are only nominally interested in the basketball team. They need a big guy. Like the idea of how, what do you think the chances are that like they add a big guy that isn't currently on the roster and isn't currently in the recruiting class, whether it's this guy or not, what do you think of the idea? That they're going to add a big guy. Yes. I I think that is 100% going to happen. Do I think it's going to be Walker Kessler? No, mainly because we don't know whether he's the, the first time one time transfer rule hasn't come into effect yet. And so we don't know if he's going to be granted a waiver to be able to play. And I think it's either going to be Efton Reed, uh, a five star big man to add to the 2021 recruiting class because uh, Chet Holgram's probably going to Gonzaga. Um or it's going to be a grad transfer of some sort that can play immediately. And obviously uh, John Har was, uh, has been thrown out there. Some, someone at Ohio State has been in some contact with, we'll see if that gets anywhere, but yeah, those are their options. Either Efton Reed ends up committing to Ohio state or they go get a grad transfer from somewhere. But like percent chance that they add a big is almost a hundred. Yeah. 100% because they can't um, it's, they can't have EJ Liddell battling big men all year and expect him to be able to contribute offensively as well. And Kyle Young could be back, but you don't yeah. know. Do you think Kyle Young will be back? I'm going to lean no. I, I just, he's going to have health issues outside of the concussion thing. And hoping and that coaching staff knows that if they get him back next year, he's not going to be available for every single game. He'll miss four or five games because some injury comes up and he won't be able to practice every single day. And I think he might be Justin Hilliard ish when it's a sense of I've had my time. I had a solid career. It might not have been everything I thought it was going to be, but I had a solid career. It's time for me to move on with my life. All right. Next question. It's mostly, uh, just a slogan that people didn't mean, but we broke up for the tech subscribers. You guys know this, that we have a way now to segment our text broadcast. So we send out the football stuff. We can now segment. If you want basketball stuff, great. If you don't want basketball stuff, you don't get those texts. If you want the bracket nonsense and the bracket voting, great. If you don't want that, you don't have to get it. That's a new part of the text. And so uh, someone who did opt in to the bracket nonsense said, I came for the football but we all could use a little nonsense. And I thought that, that, that feels like Buckeye talk to me. I came for the football, but we all could use a little nonsense. Buckeye talk. So I wanted to shout out uh, that texture who from the 704 who sent that along. So someday, someday the t-shirts will be made and maybe that'll be the slogan on it. Along those lines, I want to talk briefly about the snack bracket. We know that Chips Ahoy knocked out Cosmic Brownie from the 513. Doug, I used to love Cosmic Brownies. And about a year ago, I bought a Cosmic Brownie and took one bite and spit it out. I guess my taste buds evolved. I don't really like crispy Chips Ahoy either, but they're better than the brownie for sure. Nathan, 
we're further down this road road by being old. Where are we on the evolution of taste buds? And and when we do a snack bracket like this, and we're talking about cookies and candy and chips and stuff, is it a sign that our taste buds have not evolved? Do you feel like you approach snacks very differently? Because here's the thing that I think is different. All right, I'm 47. I shouldn't eat cosmic brownies. And I probably don't eat as many cosmic brownies as I once did. But I don't know that it's because of taste, because my tastes have evolved. It's just that I'm old and my body is breaking down and I, I don't let myself do it. But have you evolved past some snack foods now that you would spit out something like a cosmic brownie? A little bit. Yeah, I, I, I think it's more what you're saying before. Like there's a lot of things that I don't eat because I know they're just like there's things that are bad for you. And then there's things that are just kind of indefensibly bad for you. And I try to avoid those things. But I would also say that, like, I think maybe it's it's a psychosomatic thing a little bit, too. Like your brain knows that. So, like, you take a sip of Mountain Dew now. I don't think I, I don't think I could drink a can of Mountain Dew now. Like, it's just it would be I would just know that I'm drinking like pure liquefied sugar and caffeine. And I would just be thinking about all the terrible things it's doing to my body with each sip. Whereas like I can drink a diet soda or maybe even another full sugar soda and not feel as bad about it. So I think it's, it's, it's your brain influencing your taste buds instead of the other way around. Steven, you're younger. Your, your evolution. You're what? Your parents, what? Yeah. My parents did that. My parents did that with all pop. They wouldn't let me have pop a lot as a kid. Now I don't have any taste for it whatsoever. But what, what about your other snack? your snack preferences have you felt have you reached the evolution of your taste preferences yet or are you still too early in your 20s no i'm starting to get there i love honey buns i think everybody on this pod knows that at this point i was hurt that they got voted out but i also don't eat them nearly as often as i did when i was a kid and in college in college i could take the six pack of uh little debbies and just sit there and eat them while i was doing homework and whatnot now i really don't eat honey buns at all i haven't actually bought a box of honey buns since I graduated from college. I only really get it if I'm going to travel, you know, to go cover a game or something. But other than that, I don't really eat them anymore. Because you don't think they taste as good or because you know you shouldn't do it? A little bit of both. I, it, it's, I shouldn't do it as often. Maybe wins out a little bit more. It, I, I treat it more like a, a snack, a reward for a good week of healthy eating more than I do anything else. Yeah, no, I guess it's the difference of like, okay, we don't eat it as much, but do we would we still want to ideally? If someone said tomorrow, all food has the same nutritional value. I eat honey buns every day. Okay, then then I would say, then I would say that it hasn't evolved that much. It's like I would too. I would eat like Reese's peanut butter eggs and smart food popcorn and combos. Like I wouldn't be like, well, no, I want escargot. I'd be like, no, I want candy. So that to me is the evolution that if all food was just nourishment, other than that, it didn't matter. Like, but Nathan, would you be like, no, no, no. I want like, it's like, I can't even think of what a fancy food is. I'm 47. I'm like, would you eat like a fancy food? Like, I don't know, cheese on a cracker, which to me is like, I, I guess that's not even fancy, but it's fancier than Funyuns. So, right. That's the that's what I mean. Cheese on a cracker is fancier than Funyuns. Fuck I talk. <laughs> um, 
Well, I don't know. I just think you would get like, like, I mean, if if I could eat ice cream at every meal and it would give me the same sustenance as if I was eating like oatmeal for breakfast and a salad for lunch and a sensible dinner, would I just eat ice cream every day? I don't think so because I, as much as I love ice cream, I also like, um, the like when we make other foods at home, like doing stuff on the grill or Asian food or Mexican, like you know, I mean, I want the variety of it. I think the better question is what food would you no longer eat if all foods were considered healthy? What what food would you still not eat? No, no, no. Like or what, um, what, do, what food do you eat now that you eat? Oh, like veg- Mike, obviously, most people eat vegetables because they're good for you. How many people would stop eating vegetables if they knew that eating a honey bun or having some ice cream could get you the same nutritional value? See, I can't I can't get my brain there because it's just like we're so wired that like yeah. I, I can't imagine like, oh, I can I cannot eat these Brussels sprouts, which I actually really like because I could just eat a honey bun and get the same. I, I can't compute that. I think I would still rather have the Brussels sprouts because because it goes with what else you're eating with that meal, too. Yeah, but if like, yeah, if it was like, well, I, I like I would still want to eat a steak. But if I was like, oh, I'm going to have steak and Brussels sprouts, it's like I'm going to have steak. And honey buns. Yeah. It's like what are your, I'm having like a 20 ounce steak and I'm having a zebra cake as a side and a honey bun as a side. A 20 ounce steak, huh? I mean, in the world of in the world of there's no nutritional. There's no, yeah. No heartburn, values. no indigestion. You can just have at it. Does food still cost money? I don't know. It's our fantasy. It doesn't, I guess. No, it's just, it's all free nourishment. It's just a buffet. This is where I hope humans get at some point. My children's 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 children can live in a world where all food has the same nutritional value and it's all free and it all tastes like candy. If a no, 20 ounce steak costs the same as a Twinkie, I would eat the 20 ounce steak still. 100%. Um, with the health food, healthy food is usually more expensive than non-healthy food anyway. So not only could you eat whatever you want, but you spend less money to do it. But we're carnivores. Like meat's one of those things. It's not when it's like when we're talking about healthy food. Some of us are talking about steak. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're talking about Brussels sprouts. Although I, to your point, Brussels sprouts are very good. I do eat uh, not a ton of it, but I eat enough like just like steamed broccoli, sort of like just sort of bland but steamed broccoli like that. I, I don't dislike broccoli, but I would punt that if I could eat a honey bun instead. All right, let's talk about uh, what are we talking about? Oh, football from the four one nine. That if we could fit that on the shirt, what are we talking about? Uh, What? No. What's the thing we're talking about? Oh, football. Buckeyes. If we're running less, fewer two tight end sets from the 419, who do you think is the main benefactor? Obviously, receivers will see the field more, but how does it change our offense as a whole? So Ryan Day basically said that, Nathan, like – it, or, or Kevin Wilson said it Kevin actually Wilson, the other day. Yeah. Kevin Wilson's like, like probably right. That there is some marriage of personnel and scheme. They want to be able to run 12 personnel, but they had two starting worthy. I mean, talk about like having two guys. I mean, they, they might've had two of the 20 best tight ends in football last year. Right. I mean, on it, I don't know. And I'm not necessarily, is that reflected in the NFL draft or is it, I mean, Kevin Wilson was talking about how Luke Farrell, he's had NFL teams tell him that Luke Farrell's as good of a blocking tight end as there is in the draft right now. They were high-level, reliable, trustworthy. Every snap, the Buckeyes believed in Jeremy Rucker and Luke Farrell. If they do that less, and Kevin Wilson said they probably will do that less because they have one guy like that, and they're searching for a second guy. Let's put names on it. 
who's the main beneficiary if they run fewer two tight end sets? Well, actually, the first name that came to my mind was Jeremy Ruckert. Uh, that's some next level thinking. Go. Well, I mean, just I, it's it's one less tight end on the field to take away his targets as a tight end, um, and maybe it, maybe it opens things up for how they use him. I don't know, but I mean, I it just it it's 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 one less guy. I mean, on, on how many times last year did was there a route where they were kind of running those guys off of each other? Now I don't know if there was if it only really opened up one or the other guys, or if it was just who opened up more, and that's who fields through to. But you can find definite examples from these past two years where run one of them ran a route. It pulled a defender one way and it left the other guy open. So I guess you could then argue that it doesn't help Ruckert, but um, I, it just feels like if if he's the one tight end, becoming the one tight end in this offense and they stop running as many 12, 22 personnel things, I guess it's pretty much just 12 personnel, that that opens him up to be more of a receiver. I think you can make that, you can do that math. That just leads to more targets for a tight end. For, I think for the one tight end. What's really smart about that is it's not like when they ran 12 personnel that they threw to the tight ends a ton. It's like right. they would do 12 personnel, which is like a run set, which is like, aha, now we're going to throw to Chris Olave. So like the mm-hmm. idea of oh, 12, like, like more tight ends playing doesn't necessarily translate to more tight end usage. So that is like not at all where my head went. That's a really good answer. Steven, where'd your head go? Yeah, I think he was number one on my list as well. Two, two A, B, and C are Jamison Williams, Julian Fleming, G. Scott. I mean, that just gets a third wide receiver on the field more often, and we'll see how that rotation ends up. But those three guys come to mind, whichever one ends up being that third wide receiver. Um, then I'd say Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, because now you're throwing Garrett back outside a little bit more, and he's in the slot getting more snaps. Obviously, I know I'm on the island of four wide receivers all by myself. Um, but I do think it's an, it's an interesting thing that I think Ryan Day is at least thinking about, even if it is for 15 snaps total in a year. Um, he keeps throwing out the idea of two running backs on the field at the same time. He did it last year and he did it this year, too. Um, I don't think that's a thing this year, but I do think it's an interesting thing as we obviously we talked to Evan Pryor and Travion Henderson today and how much those two complement each other. It is an interesting thing, not in 2021, but maybe 22 and 23 to at least think about. I actually would like to know who is the football team that plays two running backs ever. Cause it's the same conversation with the Browns when they talk about Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt and they never do it, but like who actually does it like Nebraska in 1994. Yeah. yeah but it's like, I, cause it, cause it's nobody now when they talk about it, nobody's ever talking about a fullback. It's like, let's put two tailbacks on the field together. It's like, okay, what are you talking about? Who, who does that? Everybody likes to think of it. That's not the question. I just went right to Jackson Smith and Jigba because to me, and this is among, it's going to be hard. We're not going to get an answer on this unless we do. Cause we got an answer on like, Oh, Garrett Wilson's going to play the slot. Like again, right away. And he did play the slot. So if we were like, Hey, is your best receiver look like your most likely receiver look like Jackson in the slot, Garrett and Chris outside. And they were like, Oh yeah. That's it. That's the number one thing. Now everybody's going to play, but yeah, no, Jackson's going to be in the slot and Garrett's going back outside. Now Garrett will play in the slot some, but like, that's our starting lineup. Like, will they say that? Could they say that? Like when we talked to Brian Hartline, I don't know, but like, I wonder if that's what it is. And if that's what it is, then fewer 12 personnel sets means more of those, which means Jackson Smith, Najigba 
on the field a lot. And in the past, they have had a slot receiver on the field a lot. And if they go that way, that to me makes Jackson Smith the Jigba the answer. But I don't know if that's the answer. The answer might be no, 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 no. Garrett was really good in the slot. He's not going anywhere. So it's Chris, Garrett in the slot, and then the other outside guy, which is JMO, Cameron Babb, G. Scott, Julian Fleming, whatever. So I don't know. But I like the, the first thing I said, Stephen, like uh, possible? I think I don't think we get that answer. I think part of the reason we got the Garrett in the slot answer is because we were there. And so we saw him in the slide. You can't tell us we didn't see that. Since we're not there, they can hide it a little bit more. But I do think we can ask Garrett, hey, Garrett, where are you getting more snaps at right now? Where are you getting more reps at in practice? Because that will tell us something. If he's like, yep. yeah, I'm actually working more outside right now. Um, they actually just have me kind of rotating back and forth. Some days it's more outside. Some days it's more inside. Then, yes, that opens up the possibility now of Jackson's the starting slot receiver. And when they need Garrett to go be Garrett Wilson, they'll throw him in the slot. Um, so he'll give us that answer better than a coach will, I think, right now. I, I think the answer to the original question, after after Ruckert, I think the answer might be like literally any other receiver because it's just that many more snaps that another receiver is going to be on the field. Yeah, I'll be curious to see when we get to it because we know Ruckert and Farrell both played about the same number of snaps last year, right? Like he's played like mm-hmm. 350 or so. So if he's played like 350 in eight games and you break it down and what like I'll be curious when we get to the end, okay. The two the top two Ohio State tight ends last year combined averaged blank number of snaps per game. And in 2021, they're gonna average blank number of snaps per game. Like how big of a difference will it be? So I think you're right, but but it's almost Nathan to that point also, if it's divided up among receivers and the impact on all of them is lessened because it's like oh everybody got yeah two snaps more a game you know than you would have if you played more 12 personnel so it's like kind of negligible if it's like oh jackson smith the jigba is gonna play like 40 snaps a game but if luke farrell was still on the team jackson smith the jigba would have played 18 snaps a game right that's a thing that like changes a guy's life and i but but to your point there it might not be one answer like that, but I like that both you guys were on record because that's not how I thought about it. That was good. Uh, from the three one two, what's the story with Tyreek Johnson? So this came up talking about corners, Nathan. Like, just what what do we think the story is with Tyreek Johnson? We certainly don't know, but what do we think? I, he's been surpassed. I mean, he hasn't really made an impact in his time here. He's had opportunities. From what it, it appears, he's had opportunities and just hasn't really shown up in them at the times he's been on the field. So uh, I think he just goes on the, the, the list you were talking about before in the DeMario McCall conversation of guys who either didn't fit or, um, you know, sometimes, and it's, it's, it's the, one of the things that I don't like about the whole recruiting conversation in football is like, it's a miss. And I think it goes sometimes a little bit more of that goes on the kid for having that designation put on him. And if it doesn't pan out, he looks like the bust instead of, people were just wrong on the evaluation of him a little bit. I think he's a miss by circumstance. Might one, he might, yeah, you're right. He might just have been evaluated wrong, but also, I mean, he went from one defensive back coach to another. He's, I mean, this is his fourth defensive back coach in as many years as he's been here. If we're being technical about it, who's going to be his teacher in that room every single day, whether it was a, 
Tabor Johnson in the first year, then Halfley, and then Kerry Combs, and then now it's Matt Barnes. So I think that that combination of things is just why he is a miss by definition. I think all of that's right. And the bottom line is like, we just don't think he's in the conversation that like once it feels like once you get past seven banks, Cam Brown, Marcus Williamson, how does Lathan ransom fit into the slot? Like when you get to that next level of like the twos, right. And we go right to the young guys, Ryan Watts, legend Cavazos, Cam Martinez. We go there because that's where Ryan day went the other day. And like Tyreek Johnson just doesn't get brought up. So I just think as, He's just kind of not in the mix. But let's go to Cam Martinez. Did anyone ask about Cam Martinez during spring practice? The kid has talent. I think he could be used on both sides of the ball. That's from the 517. Steven, his name did come up. Ryan Day at least sort of mentioned him in the mix, right? Or Kerry Combs did. I, maybe it was Kerry Combs. Just sort of like in the – he's in the mix, and we still think that maybe that mix for him means the slot, but we don't know exactly for sure, but they threw his name out. Yeah, I think he was – I think Kerry Combs brought him up as a, a slot corner, as a guy who might be in that situation where it's uh, – Lathan Ransom is obviously the every down, but on third down situations you might see kind of what Cam Brown would have been had he not gotten hurt last year on these pe- clear passing set down situations. That's where you see Cameron Martinez could have a role that he could carve out for himself. Do you think he possibly has a role, Nathan, or is he more like a backup to a guy with a role? He that's a good question. I, I think I mean, he was specifically mentioned as a guy that they're moving around. I, I To me, it said that they like him and they want him. They want to figure out where he fits the most. He was just a guy that because of his background in high school coming in a little bit later. There wasn't as we talked about extensively at the time, there wasn't necessarily a set role set in stone for him at the time he was signing at the time he was coming in. So maybe that evaluation is still going on for him to a greater percentage than it would be for any other player. I'm still just skeptical though, that he ends up somewhere other than defensive back. I, I don't think this concept of him um, being a guy that would get used on both sides of the ball, certainly exclusively. You don't really see that happen, right? Like it's, it's guys, they pick one or the other for guys. And it's, I, with what's going on right now in the running back room and in the receiver room, there's not a quicker path to playing time in either of those places for him. So I, my assumption is they make him into a defensive back. It's just a matter of which defensive back position. Is there a combination of his fit and Ohio state's need? Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's going to be mm-hmm. a defensive guy. And I do think it's possible that like whatever, because we talked a lot about Marcus Williamson, I think the other day, and it's like, what is exactly Marcus Williamson? Is he a starter? Maybe he's not a starter, but I think he's going to have a role. I think that like in 2022, sort of like what Marcus Williamson does in 2021 might be what Cam Martinez does in 2022. Maybe that it's like, maybe he's a guy who you think can play in the slot, but it can also be a deep safety can move around. Like, I think that's possible. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I do think it's always, I think it's possible that Cam Martinez maybe is on a slightly different timetable than legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts. Cause they're the three cornerbacks in that class, but Cam Martinez did it all in high school and those other guys were DBs. And so maybe he's maybe just his second year is still a lot of learning and he's not quite as in the mix right away, but they still really love him. He just might be a year three guy. And for the he, sake of, go ahead. No, I'm like in 2022, if we're talking about a list of, Hey, who could be first year starters as third year guys who pop and go, maybe Cam Martinez is the guy we're talking about. And just for the sake of bringing his name up his Denzel Burke's name did come up. Um, I think Ryan Day and Kerry Combs both brought his name up. Same kind of situation. 
didn't really play defensive back in high school. He was an athlete. He played wide receiver mostly at Saguaro High School, which is actually where Clemson was practicing when we went to the um, – the Fiesta Bowl two years ago. Uh, he might be in a similar path as what Cameron Martinez is, as a guy who's still learning how to play defensive back, but by his third year, we see a similar thing where he's, he maybe pops. All right, quick break again on Buckeye Talk. We'll come back. A couple more questions on bread, cheating, and Nathan's crush. Next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, 614-350-3315 for the texts. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. We'll take a review at Apple Podcasts for anyone kind enough to drop one. Mike in Brunswick from the 614 food question, fellas. What's your favorite kind of bread slash roll for a sandwich? Is it regular bread? Is it a pretzel roll? Is it ciabatta? Is it a Kaiser roll? To me, you could put anything on a pretzel roll and it becomes awesome. That is opening a can of worms, Mike. That feels like a thing where, oh, anything? Be careful. Pretzel rolls are the king of sandwich delivery vehicles. So we could do a whole Wednesday podcast on bread and sandwich delivery vehicles. I frankly think the idea of bread as a delivery vehicle for meat is like somewhat responsible for the ill health in America. I think I have type two diabetes because somebody decided let's deliver meat to an American's mouth by putting it between two slices of bread. And if somebody would have been like, nah, 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 just grab the meat with your hand. We don't need bread. I'd be fine. So this is a very, this is the most complicated question. That's all right. Let's sit back. This is the most complicated question that we've had on this rapid fire. Because what I feel very strongly about at this point in my life, talking about how your tastes evolve, how your health needs evolve, you cannot settle for average bread as a delivery vehicle because it is not worth the carbs and the calories and everything else. You must grab the meat by itself. You must just put peanut butter, eat it right off the knife. Why are you eating average bread? Average bread does nothing for you. So eliminate average bread from your life. Now, if the bread itself, if you're making a piece of toast and that's it, you can't just eat butter. Nobody should just like heat up butter in a microwave and pour it in your mouth. Okay, if the bread is the thing, if the average bread is the thing, okay, But if the bread is only a delivery vehicle and it's average, punt it, deliver it yourself. But if you're going pretzel roll, if you're going to a thing where it's like, well, the roll is practical, it's like the star of the sandwich. And then it's like, oh, the meat's fine. Now I'm okay. Now you're getting banged for the buck on the roll. So Steven, I don't know where you are on roll consumption. I think it is a fascinating topic. I could do roll talk. And I probably couldn't do five pods a week on Roll Talk. I could do three. Bread bracket. I have a list of brackets. Please put that down. I mean, how about pretzel roll? Pretzel roll is freaking pretzel roll is Duke at its peak, right? I mean, pretzel roll is going to be like, oh, Wonder Bread versus pretzel roll in the opening round. It's like it'd be a shutout. Steven, where are you on bread rolls? the use of them as delivery vehicles and, and what does a, what does bread have to do to rise to the level of being worth being consumed by Steven means? First of all, if we do a bread bracket, 
Doug's going to put pretzel roll, give them the easiest possible path to the final four. And unlike the big 10, it might actually get there. Um, yeah, no pretzel roll. Pretzel roll has a very good tournament history. They do not, they would pretzel roll would not choke when it got to the tournament. I think all bread is like wine. It depends on what you're eating. You know, you can't, all bread doesn't go. There are some wines that you can just kind of drink at your own leisure. Um, and there are some breads that you can just eat at your own leisure, but there are some breads that belong with certain meats. And I think my favorite bread is garlic bread. I like any type of whatever shape it comes in. I love garlic bread. I will put garlic bread, anything on garlic bread and eat it. So that's, that's the hill I will die on. Like you're going to die on the pretzel roll with, uh, hill. So I, I think it's an interesting topic of conversation. I don't know if it's a two hour conversation, but I do think the bread matters more than the meat. I think when you're trying to put together a sandwich or a hot dog or whatever type of meat and dough situation you got going on. I also have very much come around on the idea. There's a thing that I think journalists say this a lot. It's like, write your story, write your lead, write your story, and then go back and cut off your lead. And actually your second paragraph should be your lead. You don't need your lead. A lot of times, if you make a sandwich, just cut off the top piece of bread. And just eat it open-faced. Like, why are you eating two pieces of bread? Do you really need it, right? That's my life advice. Nathan, where are you on this bread and roll discussion? I've tried to, over the course of my life, become more tolerant of the decisions that people make and just kind of be to each their own kind of attitude towards the world. One of the I have, I have though, not, by the way. You have that not. Is, that you is have not. not how I have evolved. Okay. One of the exceptions is like, I, I literally can't fathom the thought process where someone goes in and buys like an 89 cent loaf of white bread and then yes. takes it home and, and voluntarily eats that it's, I just eat like paper, just eat. It's nothing. It doesn't, it's, it's, I don't get it. I don't get it because I grew up on wheat bread. I grew up on like, um, like I remember I was talking to my wife about these the other day. Like I remember my grandma like baking wheat bread and like having just like um, like honey on a like freshly baked piece of wheat bread and like just how delicious that was. Just like something so simple like that. Well, I would echo uh, I'm a big pretzel bun component uh, proponent. I will especially like burgers. I think burgers are fantastic on pretzel buns because they they have some they're, they're firm enough that they can kind of soak up some of the grease or whatever it's coming off of the burger, but they're not like so hard that you can't bite through them. I, I really don't like like hard bread with a sandwich. If you buy white bread, you better be trying to make some homemade French toast. Yeah. I mean, I get that, it. Like I would get like a brioche or something, get like a nice bread. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, don't pick it. Don't take your bread for granted. And I, and I, and, and I get it. It's cheap. I mean, like sometimes you need cheap bread, but like but my there's wife, cheap wheat bread too. There's cheap wheat bread too. But also wheat bread can trick you. You can trick yourself and think like, oh, I'm eating wheat bread. It's healthy. And it's like, well, go look at like the sugar right. content, the carbs, yeah. and it's like the same. Um, my wife has been eating super healthy. She hit like the 800 day mark the other day. And it's like no sugar, no carbs, no, like she, it's not Atkins, but it's like a very, it's like a lifestyle thing. And she's stuck to it incredibly. And like every day she typically like for lunch eats a thing that it's just, it's like roast beef, like a couple slices of roast beef, a couple like slices of cheese some hummus, some like carrots and celery, like some vegetables. And there's just, it's like all the components of a sandwich, just there's no bread. 
Because if you had the bread there, it would either be terrible. And why are you doing it? Right. Or you would have to get fancy and whatever. But she's perfectly happy with the roast beef and the cheese and the vegetable or whatever. And it fills her up like stacked vegetables on there. And it's just like, you know what? Like somebody along. That's what we should have been doing for the last the Earl of Sandwich or whoever did this to us. That's what we always should have been doing. Meat on a plate is the way to go. Don't let the sandwich industrial complex lure you in to bread that you don't need. Cheating. From the 614, I'm late on this one, but I had a question regarding your cheating podcast about Georgia and Alabama. I, for one, agree with most of what was said. However, I was hoping you'd discuss more about how cheating is covered or reported on. I think where Buckeye fans get salty isn't about finger pointing to other programs, but as soon as something goes a little sideways at Ohio State, the media flocks to Columbus like flies on you-know-what and won't let it go until blood is spilled. It feels like other programs don't get that attention, fair or not. I want your take. We all know the reporters who do this. It seems like reporters always defend reporters, even when the coverage gets absurd. So um, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because there's not, a, there's not, I don't know that there's a great answer to this. I'll always defend journalism. I won't always defend every journalist. There are ding dong journalists. This year's like there's ding dongs in every profession. And there are great journalists. This is like there's great people in every profession. Um, I would have, I would push back against like a decent chunk of that. I think there is a level of program that draws interest, right? That when you're a big dog, a lot of, most of the time that's good. And sometimes that's bad. And like you are interesting. And then that just, you get attention. If you're the Kardashians, you get attention. A lot of it good, but then maybe also bad. And I think a lot of Ohio state coverage would fall into that. But I do possibly think, and I think we can put a point to this specifically. When we did the cheating podcast, Nathan, you did note like, hey, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, they're checking into this. ESPN checking into the allegations the high school coach made on a recording that uh, Alabama and Georgia are cheating. The local coverage was checking in on it. Mark Schlebaugh, who's one of the national guys, one of the investigative guys for ESPN, dropped a story today, I believe, this Tuesday, March 23rd, about this high school coach. He talked to the person who was the person talking to the coach in the recording. It seems to be more of a story about sort of the ins and outs of the culture around that high school and the infighting of that high school. And I, it, I, I read it. I didn't lock in and read it. I sort of skimmed it fast. It didn't go a ton into like our Alabama and Georgia actually cheating, right? It was sort of more like a human interest digging around. Good story. But let's answer this, Nathan. If this was the exact same story, but it was Ohio State that was mentioned instead of Alabama or Georgia, I wonder if there is somehow a reverse thing where People maybe kind of, I don't want to paint with a broad brush. Do people assume that cheating happens in the SEC in a way they don't assume it happens at other schools? So when stuff pops up at a place like Ohio State, it actually does get more attention. Or did Ohio State hit in an era where things like this got more attention? That Maurice Claret or the tattoo stuff with Jim Tressel and Terrell Pryor or 
the Urban Meyer, Zach Smith stuff, which is not that long ago, did it just hit in an era where it was more covered? All It should all be covered. My argument would not be that like Ohio State should be covered less when they make mistakes with that. I, I'm not arguing that. I'm wondering, I think there might be a point to like, sometimes it feels like other programs aren't covered as much nationally when a similar thing happens to them. I did feel like there were some things at maybe some other schools that were in the realm of the Zach Smith stuff. I can't remember what school it was, but it was a school that was like a football program that was like much less covered, much less interesting, but it felt like, well, that kind of went away. Like I didn't even know about it until Ohio state happened. And then the urban Meyer Zach Smith stuff was kind of everywhere. It felt like, I don't know, Nathan, do you think having been elsewhere and now being here for two years, do you think there's anything to the idea Ohio state does get more coverage nationally on this stuff? Well, again, I think we have to be careful what we're comparing because with tattoo gate, it wasn't this like hearsay allegations, right. like they had things on the record. They had things. You, it was provable facts. It was facts. These things happened and here's evidence of it and here's testimony of it. So that's one thing. That's not what's happening in Alabama and Georgia right now. It's a guy talking. It's a guy talking out his ass too, potentially. Secondly, not that I think that there's no truth to it. There, there very well could be. I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying, just setting things up. Secondly, the Zach Smith thing, again, more facts. And then throw in on top of that, that you're talking about the, the coach who is like one step below Saban, really, in terms of accomplishment in modern college football history, right, at that time, even ahead of Sweeney at that time. And then throw in on top of that, all the salaciousness of it, right? That this wasn't just, it, it was it was hitting at a time where, where women's and domestic abuse issues were huge. It was all of the, the sex toys being sent to the athletic office or whatever. There was a lot of salacious details that blew that out of proportion. I think you have to look at the, the specific context of those situations. Um, I know that that's hitting twice in a short amount of time for Ohio State. So that's why people might seem like that's out of proportion. But I'm trying to think of similar things at other big schools that were provable facts that weren't covered to the same extent. I mean, you look at like the Bobby Petrino thing at, um, was that, was he at Arkansas or Louisville at the time? I think it was Arkansas. Whichever one he was at. I think at it was, yeah, time. I think it, no, it was Arkansas. With the, the, the intern on the motorcycle or whatever. Yeah. Like those, like other similar things like that, where there were provable facts. I think those things got plenty of traction. Sometimes it isn't even a place as big as Ohio State. So again, I would make sure that people are, are not comparing uh, hearsay and allegations to here's a now the hearsay and allegations sometimes lead to the facts so if you want to argue that people aren't investigating those for some reason but i don't think that's true i think there are, uh, there's a lot of great journalists in the south that cover football and i don't believe that they're just taking a pass on this i think there's somebody who would be looking into this in a serious way i think some of it may also just as far as how loud and how much attention it gets from a national's perspective just might be the people involved in it i mean maurice Corret was a pretty famous dude they just won a national championship when all that's happening Terrell Pryor is the starting quarterback at, at Ohio State now we just talked about earlier what comes with being the starting quarterback at Ohio State and was Nick, the number one recruit in the country and was, a right. huge national recruitment bingo so these are famous a-list people for college football Urban Meyer is probably the most famous personality college football seen in the past two decades so it, it, I mean these are just it's 
it, it's that all that stuff, the facts of it, but then also who was involved in it as well. It'd be like in the NBA, if something crazy happened, if LeBron was involved with it versus maybe Giannis, it would just get more attention because LeBron's LeBron. I will say, I want to say one more thing. If you, if Ohio state fans want to go to a place where they're, program is only scrutinized as much as nc state and kansas state and washington state we can go there but it's going to make nine and three doug seem like the heyday like there's a reason why those programs the reason why nobody like when something happens it isn't as big a deal at a place like that no i i think you guys are right and like what about ism like it's not a great defense right like well okay well we did something wrong but what about these other guys i so the question and i'm not saying the texter did that the question really is about not the act, but the coverage, right? And so I think you both make extremely good points because most of the stuff that happens in college football, when you really get down to it, and actually like Jim O'Brien, you could throw in too. That was kind of, it wasn't as big, but it was, you know, but it's stuff, it either, a lot of times it comes out in court stuff, like kind of on the side. Again, the tattoo stuff started because the guy got busted and he had this stuff and it wasn't like, it was like, what? But it's, it's in court, so it has to be true. Like the Jim O'Brien stuff was like it was in court. Or um, there's just like a random tip that comes along that like it's like it's handed to reporters, right? That Maurice Corrette like just tells this story on ESPN or like whatever Brett McMurphy got to start. That a lot of stuff doesn't happen because there's no court thing that starts it and nobody just hands it to – Anymore, there's not that much stuff in this realm dug up from nowhere by like, hey, it was just like I was digging, I was checking, I was doing it, and like, and I discovered it's sort of like someone has to hand it to you and give you the tip to start it, or it starts in the court. So there's some bad luck involved. Also, they did it. They there were some things, right? But I, I, here's what I would say: I think Ohio State's a big name. I think that's indisputable. So they are treated from an interest standpoint different than Washington State, Kansas State, but you want that. It's, there's more good than bad. So that's indisputable. Two, I think in terms of their bad acts coming out, Ohio State's had some bad luck, right? That like, it feels like a lot of their stuff has come out. Like a lot of their dirty laundry has gotten aired. And it's like, do they have that much more dirty laundry than everybody else? I don't know. I'm assuming there's a decent amount of dirty laundry as we did on the whole podcast, Nathan, that like just never comes out. So there's some bad luck involved. Three, Stephen listing off the super famous people that were involved is absolutely true. The bigger program you are, the more successful program you are, the more famous people you have. So when they do something wrong, it's more interesting. So again, like you can't necessarily apologize for that. Here's what I would say probably in the end. I think in the end, it's not really that Ohio State gets overcovered in a negative fashion from the national media, it probably is not. But I can understand why Ohio State fans feel that way. And I was going to say, too, when you start, talk, when you start talking about facts, the tail of the story grows. The T-A-I-L of the story grows. So that when Zach Smith stuff happens, and then months later down the line, you get a big, you and all the other people who were reporting on the beat at the time, get a big dump of emails of all the stuff that you've been requesting. And that brings the whole story back up. And so from a fan standpoint, it's like, when is this ever going to end? Like, when are we ever going to not have this kind of hung around our shoulders where then you're hearing little allegations, things that are just whispers in the background about other programs, nothing necessarily ever gets proven. That tale doesn't ever start to grow. 
So you don't want to be Washington State. So Washington State or random state X might have similar things happening, but frankly, nobody cares. <laughs> so, but that's the deal. And I think there just might be some bad luck and some bad timing and, and or whatever. So I, I, we could go forever on that. Like I almost would be, I do think there's a thing you could do of like, let's line up like the, I don't know, the 20 most famous college athletics scandals of the 2000s, let's say. Let's line them up by fame, by, by how much the average sports fan would know about them. And then looks, let's look at the specifics of the case and what the actual bad act was and talk about did the coverage match the act, right? Because like, for instance, you know, the Larry Nasser situation at Michigan State was unbelievable, right? And that got hugely covered. And the Jerry Sandusky situation at Penn State was unbelievable. And that did get hugely covered. But like, and this is where Ohio State fans go sometimes. And I, I understand why they go there, but it's not really the point. But like comparing like Tattoo Gate to Larry Nasser or Jerry Sandusky is like comparing a paper cut to a gunshot wound, right? I mean, like, it's just not even in the same realm. One is people's lives. One is like abuse of people and people in charge not divulging it or whatever and one is like ah, oh, we broke some ncaa rules right so like like that from the ohio state i understand why ohio state fans point that out but those other things did get covered but i think ohio state fans sometimes feel like tattoo gate got covered as much i think the best uh, perfect example is chase i mean just given what i just i mean this kid's a heisman trophy candidate he just had four sacks against wisconsin boom friday that happens and that whole next week I mean, you can go on any national program and they're talking about Chase Young, whether it's first take or first things first or ESPN, Fox Sports One, anywhere else. They're talking about Chase Young. Gene Smith had a press conference <laughs> about Chase Young's, you know, standing in the program at that point. It was the big. And then when he came back, he had another great game he had three sacks against Penn State. But if you go talk to him, and if you went up to talk to him, everybody's talking about, hey, Chase, what happened? And why did you end up getting suspended? Did you regret it? Yada, yada, yada. So that's a perfect example right there of something that probably happens at a lot of other schools. But first, takes not talking about player X at Washington State getting suspended because he got a loan to go to a bowl game for his girlfriend. But if Tua Tonga-Vailoa or Trevor Lawrence yeah. or yeah. Jalen Hurts had gotten suspended, they would have. They mm -hmm. would have but it's a select handful of programs. Um, okay. I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on it. I, I think it's sort of interesting in its own way, but I, I understand why Ohio state fans can sometimes feel that way. Uh, so that, that I think we probably agree on. Let's finish with Nathan's crush from the five, eight, six. When is Nathan going to reveal his football crush? We can't go a pod without hearing Doug fawn over to Sean Watson, which we have to talk about, I guess. And Steven obsess over Garrett Wilson. Nathan, uh, come out with a little man love. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Signed Jerry and George. They're making a Seinfeld reference there. So, by the way, it's like I always talk about I, I love Deshaun Watson as a college player. I really liked him as a pro prospect. He has like a rash of allegations against him that we don't know anything about other than what we've read. But there's, I think, over 10 women involved with massages who allege that Deshaun Watson did inappropriate things during those massages. So I don't know where that's going to go, but that feels like at the beginning of that, 
it felt like there was a question of like, ah, is this just like a lawyer doing a thing? And now there's so many allegations that are in separate states and separate women. And they're sort of follow a pattern that certainly there is some something that you wonder about. This is going to be something there's going to be a case here that you're going to wonder what's next for Deshaun Watson, who was a great pro prospect, and a great college player. So um, just wanted to throw that out there since that is true. So I, I think, Stephen, you would claim Garrett as your guy. I, I mean, I, I don't think you're not going to dispute that from the texter, no. right? No, no, no. If I, if I didn't do this for a living, I would probably have a Garrett Wilson shirt. Yeah. And, you know, but I am glad that somebody is finally forcing Nathan to pick a player. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not disputing as a player that what I've liked about Deshaun Watson. Nathan, who is your equivalent? So I, we haven't talked about it on the pod, but people who follow me on Twitter have seen me uh, probably a couple of times uh, retweet clips of this guy. Um, my, my favorite guy to watch is Quentin Nelson, the guard for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, <laughs> I know that may not be sexy, but like there is nothing more impressive to me in football than some of the things that he does on a football field. Um, and there's probably other, other offensive linemen who would fall before. And some reason, he's the one that I have like. There's a couple of I mean, there's there's multiple clips of him where it's a pass block situation and the snap happens and he's got nobody to block. And then from the, from the opposite, the far opposite side, somebody's coming in on a blitz and at the last second he snaps into action, just go over and crushes the guy. Um, it just like some, some of the split reactions he does kind of combined with the, the power that he plays with. I think it's really impressive. I enjoy watching him play. I love how on brand that is for you. Uh, I can't believe <laughs> we didn't take bets on what it was going to be. Uh, is it a guard who played college football in Indiana and plays pro football in Indiana? And he's a guard. I don't think that has anything. I don't think the Indiana part has anything it's to just, do with it. I'm not it's a Colts fan. I'm not a Notre no, Dame fan. It's just, definitely the guard part and the fact that you spent a lot of time in Indiana. <laughs> but yeah, but like, but what's, were, what's more impressive than that? Like, well, the things he does, like the, I, I appreciate people who do their job. Like I would rather watch him do his job than like, the 40th best receiver or running back in the NFL or the 20th best, really. I respect it. It's just very on brand and down no. the exact alley. I thought it was going to go. No, but like you could have said Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I mean, like it was wide open. It was wide open. Well, um, no, I, I think part of it is you pick somebody where you have an appreciation for them. That might be a little over the top because even with Deshaun Watson, I mean, he's awesome, but Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson exist. Garrett is great, but I mean, as our textures voted, there's Chris Olave. I mean, there's Devontae Smith. There's plenty of other really so it's it's, it's got to be a medium of they're really good at their job, but also you have to fan for them in a way that the rest of the world won't. That's, that makes sense. Normally, like a like a crush is not just like well, who is like the hottest person in the world? It's like well, everybody thinks yeah. that man or woman is beautiful. That's not exactly what we're talking about here. It's got to be kind of involuntary. It's like you're just like taken aback, like oh man, what was that? Like I got to see more of that. Yeah, I don't even know where my where I, it started with me and Garrett. It just kind of popped out of nowhere. Uh, no, I do remember. It was a spring game. He made that catch, and I was like, "I'm going to write about him after this game. I'm just gonna, I'm going to write about him." And then we didn't get him. Well, you should, uh, Nathan. You should be on the lookout for Ohio State guards to appreciate. Maybe Matthew Jones will be your guy. Maybe you'll just be like Matthew Jones will seize this job and just be like a one year starter and. And go crazy, and you'll be like, I love to watch Matthew Jones block. I I'm think you'll like that. Donovan. I think you'll really like Donovan. He's smart. He's not out. He's not Harry Miller level of amazing, but he's a really smart kid down to earth. Really good and really good at his job. So I think you'll like Donovan. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. That's going to be fun. 
All right, we got some other good questions. We're not going to have time to get to, but I'm saving them. Something about the uh, good question about Jack Sawyer and Paris Johnson is like a tackle defensive end combo. Good questions about G. Scott. Uh, good questions about whether uh, Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith could be like Chase Young and Nick Bosa in 2018 that we never really got to see. Um, really good stuff. Saving them. I also saved all the running back questions, all the recruiting questions, all the basketball questions. So this is your Wednesday pod. Thursday pod will be running back focused. We talked to Tony Alford and most of the guys in that room will dig into that. Buckeye Future Fridays, I'll give Nathan and Steven the, the recruiting questions. They can throw those in there for that question. And then we had a great question that I saved that I think we'll do for the Saturday pod, which is who would be the 11 defenders you would put on the field right now if Ohio State was like getting ready to play in the playoff? And I, th- I really like that question. And I want to ma- break it down to like, okay, it's the playoff. It's like, First and 20 and Spencer Rattler's coming on the field and it's it's first and 10 from the 25 yard line. Who's your, who's your 11. And now it's like third and eight and who's your 11, right? Cause we can get into some sub package stuff. We're going to talk to Al Washington and some of the linebackers later into this week. So we'll have a little more defensive information. So I think we'll do that Saturday. And then I think Steven next week, I think it'll be worth a basketball post-mortem slash look ahead, more look ahead, more look ahead. on like, what's the starting lineup? What's the rotation next year? Are they definitely better? Are they definitely worse? Are they definitely the same? If we try to predict, should they be the big 10 favorite going into the season? No, they'll be fifth picked fifth, like that kind of thing. I really want to dig in to kind of put this season to rest and also look ahead. So a basketball podcast coming maybe in the next seven to 10 days. Thanks to you guys for being part of it. Make sure you're reading clum.com slash OSU for Nathan Baird for Stephen means I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk.